Hey, Amarillo, this is Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. New sponsor this episode, the presenting sponsor of Hey Amarillo today is Wick Realty. I just used Wick Realty to uh, sell a home and then buy a new home. Actually, within the last couple of months, I can't speak more highly of this company. If you want to learn more about them, it's W-I-E-C-K, Realty, WickRealty.com. So if you listen to the show uh, on a regular basis, you've heard me ask guests in the eight straight section, when was the last time uh, you ate at the Big Texan? In fact, last week uh, I asked that of Criselda Reyes, and she told me she actually had once worked there when she was in high school, which I thought was great. Uh, people in Amarillo know the Big Texan. People outside Amarillo always ask us about the Big Texan, but we don't often eat there. That's just kind of how it goes here. Uh, and so I wanted to talk to Bobby Lee, the owner of the Big Texan. He owns it with his brother, Danny. Uh, their father founded it to get in touch with him and, and hear from him about the role that their legendary restaurant plays within Amarillo and how it represents Amarillo all over the world. And this was a really fun episode. We actually set up in the balcony of the Big Texan a little bit after lunch. There were still people dining there and eating uh, and did the interview there. So you're going to hear a lot of crowd noise. You're going to hear some hollering and other types of music in the background because of some of the movies that were playing there, some of the the audio there. And this was kind of a struggle um, in terms of recording. My voice is a little bit too loud. Uh, Bobby's is a little too quiet, but that's what happens when you're in a busy restaurant. And let me tell you, the Big Texan is always busy. Every time of day, there is somebody there. Uh, It's that well-known, that popular. And I wanted to talk about that with Bobby. So here's Bobby Lee of the Big Texan. Bobby Lee, thank you for for being on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, you bet. Thank you so much, and thanks for including the Big Texan on it. Yeah, no problem. So that's that's one of the things I want to talk about. I get the sense, you know, I've lived in Amarillo all my life. Um... I've been to the Big Texan to eat maybe two or three times, and I, I think that's sort of the experience for a lot of people who live here. We pass by it all the time. We understand it. We see the billboards, um, but we're not maybe as familiar with it as a tourist might be. So I want to hear from you, you know, just a little bit of the story of the Big Texan, how it came to be, and, and sort of where it, it sits right now in, in terms of Amarillo's place in the world. Well, it's it really. My dad came down from Kansas City, Missouri, and from Chicago area, so he was a Yankee by heart. And he came here with the Marriott Food Service. He was running the food service for the airplanes. He was at Love Field when Love Field opened the new facility, and uh, they brought him up to Amarillo because back then the single engine props were still flying through Amarillo and had to make that stop for fuel and to put food on the airplane. So it was a natural stop. And uh, two years into it, they switched over to a jet service, and as a result, there's no more need to stop in Amarillo by a lot of these planes, so Marriott pulled out of Amarillo and left him here kind of high and dry. But the one thing he was fascinated with Amarillo was the fact the Western heritage here, and really, you know, as an outsider, he, he adored it, just like people that come through here every day, 365 days a year, so they, people love what we have here, the Western heritage, the Texas mystique. And he was real disappointed and very surprised to find out that Amarillo did not have a place that catered to such needs. And he thought, what a tremendous opportunity. Even so, back then, you know, in the 50s and stuff, there were steak places, but not not cowboy places? Well, there, there were cowboy places, but it's it's not one that, that, that people or, or tourists would ever thought about. That it's somebody that's something that somebody wanted to see, because mainly because they lived in the forest and they didn't realize those were trees out there. 
But yet, he was smart enough to see that and then went forward and put a place in on, on Amarillo Boulevard, which is then Route 66. And uh, his version of it wasn't real, true Western like it is today. But uh, fortunate for him, the biggest saving grace is, number one, is the fact that it was on Route 66. Number two is that at the time, Amarillo had one of the largest stockyards in America. And when these cowboys got off work three blocks away, uh, he started recognizing them and starting to realize that, you know, the tourists that came in there wanted to see cowboys. And this was his way of developing the big Texan concept with real cowboys. What a perfect opportunity. So he would cash your paychecks on payday for him. He would uh, sell nickel beer. And uh, they put on such a show, that not knowing they were put on a show, that he put a big 12-top 12 12-top 12 table right in front of the middle of the dining room so all the tourists could sit there and watch these real cowboys drink beer and try to outdo each other. And, and that's basically the biggest persona of the Big Texan came from those cowboys in the early, early days that my dad was smart enough to sit back and watch them do their outdo each other, out-eat each other, out-drink each other, out-brag each other. And it was, it, was, it was quite the show. And my dad was, like I said, smart enough and a good enough showman to realize that's the show. That's the ticket. Is that where the 72-ounce the steak challenge came from? Was that something that developed from those cowboys, or was it... Uh... Absolutely, absolutely, because it was always, you know, who could outdo each other. And it was always fun for my dad because he would sit there and he would, you know, well, let's, let's do this, and he would watch the reaction of the crowd. But the appetites on these guys after a long day working the stockyards, they were, it was incredible. So he did one Friday, he said, next Friday you guys come in, and um, i got 12 seats here, and whoever wants to sit down, they put a $5 bill up, I'll put them in this hat, and I'm going to bring out one-pound steaks over an hour period of time. And whoever eats the most one-pound steaks at the end of the time will get all the money in the hat, and they get their meal for free. So one cowboy ate four-and-a-half one-pound steaks. He also wanted to show off more by that. He said, bring me one of those baked potatoes, one of them shrimp cocktails, and give me some bread and salad just, just to make the other guys feel uncomfortable, intimidation. And, uh, and that meal on that day back in 1960 is the same meal that we serve 57 years later. The rules are very much the same. If you eat it in one hour, it's yours. If you get sick contest is over with. And, and so it was less of a, a marketing idea, and it was just this cowboy. That's what he decided to do, and it sort of built off of that. It did, and, and once again, you know, him being the showman watching the reaction of the tourist, and even local people heard about this contest he was going to have and showed up in droves to see this. So it was it was always he taking the lead off, off real cowboys, which was which is what the public wanted, the real cowboys, because that 197-mile strip going through the Texas Panhandle, which was running Route 66, that's the only Texas experience so many of the East-West travelers get. And, and when they come to Texas, everything is big, and we all ride horses and eat big steaks. So it was a perfect setup. Yeah, and that's something that, uh, that I think has been discussed before, that you know, Route 66 goes through the Panhandle, I-40 goes through the Panhandle. But if you're a driver on one of those roads, that's the only Texas you're going to go through. I mean, it doesn't dip down into Dallas or you know, even the Big Bend area, it's, it's the Panhandle. Yeah, and that is a unique geographic situation for the city of Amarillo. Not only east-west, but Dallas and Denver, El Paso and Kansas City. I mean, this is the halfway point, so geographically, Amarillo's at a real good opportunity for procurement of the highway visitor. So let's talk about the, uh, the transition from the restaurant that your dad started on Route 66 to, you know, the prominent spot that I-40... Uh, that, that the big Texan has right now on I-40. How did that come about? Well, it was it was it was once again the necessity thing. Even though it looked like it was it was well thought out. He had uh, eight kids. He's a big Italian Catholic family. So uh, Route 66 was going to be bypassed in 1968 when they opened up I-40. 
And my dad fortunately had bought some land out here on the old Dallas Highway, the six and a half acres where the Big Texan is now. He had bought it because back then you had to go outside the city limits on the weekend to buy beer. So he put a little beer joint out and he would sell packaged beer out here on the weekends, but had no idea when he bought it that this would have been an exit on the new I-40 road going through. So for years he sold beer on the weekends for extra money, but when it was announced that Route 66 would be bypassed by I-40, he didn't really think it would hit him, he did, but the first day that I-40 opened, his business over there went zero. Wow. And eight kids at home to feed, and and, and selling beer on weekend is not going to pay the, the bill, food bills for the kids like that. So he was smart enough to see that if he could get the big Texan moved over here to I-40 because of the following he already had, that he would have a chance of success. And, and lo and behold, uh, he didn't have a lot of money. He took his kids out, and we tore down old prisoner war barracks as at Pantex and straighten the nails and and stack the lumber and moved it over here and help him build a new place in 1968 and 69 so we built this place and just in the nick of time and when we did the big Texan magic continued when did the the really aggressive advertising start you know because you can see big Texan billboards as far away as Arizona or yeah. Arkansas I mean what at, at what point was was it your dad that was the, the big marketer that really put that in motion, or did that happen a little bit later? He had a manager from uh, Dalhart, Texas, named Boog Wallace, who really opened his eyes to Texas beef, to the high-quality beef, learned how to buy beef, uh, even what calf fries were, mountain oysters. So he learned a lot from Boog, but Boog was smart enough that one day he had a, a billboard salesman in and said, why don't you all put something about that free 72-ounce steak up on the boards? And they, they did that throughout the 60s, but when it moved to I-40, the biggest marketing push probably happened with the second and third generation of people that stopped at the Big Texas with their grandparents when the, when they were kids coming through with their families and remembering the place, remember the outrageousness of what we allow to go on in here and, and the fascination for, for the Texas mystique. And uh, it developed and started mushrooming and, and, the, and the old fish story, the fish went from 6 inches to 12 inches to 24 inches. And stories were all over the country about it. Uh, in the 90s, after he passed away, when uh, my brother and I moved back to take over the operations, uh, I was a mass communication major and understood uh, television, radio back then. I can't say I understand it now, but back then I did understand it. And I was able to apply a lot of those principles to what my dad had established and what we grew up in and were able to really broadcast it even further out. And by then... Uh, the lore, the big Texan, the the, the the folks, they know the big stories about it and stuff. It was it was magical and it was it was it was bigger than life. And um, thank God my brother was a very good food person and which allowed me to do the promotion. And uh, it was a good combination and, and that's when the major growth started happening. That's when we started getting up well over, you know, two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand people a year that would stop here. And once again that second and third generation of people bringing their kids and their grandkids in, you know kept coming back every year. So the Big Texan, it just it naturally it built on itself and its reputation. Let's talk a little bit about, about you and your brother, Danny. You know, you guys grew up in the family, but uh, I get the sense you didn't especially think that you were going to end up running the restaurant. That's that's sort of just a necessity that happened with your, your dad's death. <laughs> well, we, we did everything we could to get away from there because, I mean, like I said, we got picked up from school in the station wagon. There were eight kids, and some of them were young. Some of them were, you know, I was one of the older ones. So the young ones, we had two playpins in the kitchen that the little bitty babies would go to. The infants would go to one. The other ones would go to the other. And if you're old enough, 
you got a milk crate or you got a vegetable cart and that you got to stand up on top to make it even with the work table and you were assigned peeling onions peeling shrimp, uh, uh, cutting chicken, or bussing tables. And like I said, we grew up, and if we didn't have choice, if you had homework, you went to the bookkeeper's office and did your homework. And naturally, if you were in trouble, you could always tell which league was in trouble because we got sent to the pot sink and had to work beside the homeless people, scrubbing pots and pans, listening to their story about why we should study better in school or, or not be a nuisance. So we, we did not want to be in the restaurant business. We, we did everything we could to get out. And the further away we got from Amarillo, uh, in Danny's pursuit of uh, technology business and mine pursuit of sports, people would ask where they're from. And I was up in Portland, Oregon playing hockey then, and uh, I'd say Amarillo. And they say, oh, that's that's a place with the big steakhouse with that big steak. And I'd go, well, my dad wasn't such a dumbass after all, you know. So it was, it was, it was, it was a pleasant surprise. And the further away we got from it, the more we realized that we were raised in, in, in something bigger than, than what we even had imagined at the time. What was it like coming back? You know, because uh, you know when your father died, it, it was it was unexpected. You know, the you didn't already have all the the family members in place, or at least you you kind of had to scramble in the last couple of years to to take over the restaurant. Is that? It was it was tough. My dad had gone out on a couple of side deals that didn't prove profitable for him, so we inherited quite a bit of debt in the situation. Uh, a lot of the old ways with the restaurant were, were there, and uh, there was a lot of emphasis, emphasis put on the outside catering. And the one thing that Dean and me wanted to come back in was what we considered the internal marketing, which was the food and service. And we came back in, that's, we made so much stride in to make sure the food, uh, the service was as good as it could be to where not only would the place bring you back, but the food would bring you back. And since 1990s, when we, when we got back in the, back in the big Texan business, uh, that's the one thing that we've really developed and it shows with our customer counts and the customer appreciation and the reviews. I mean, for a place that has as many reviews as Disney World and Commander's Palace in New Orleans, in the middle of the Texas Panhandle on a, on a, on a three and a half to four star rating, that makes you feel really good. That makes you feel as good as it does when you catch money. The perspective, um, at least in Amarillo, is, is that the Big Texan is not known for its steak. You know, if somebody wants a steak, they probably don't think, well, let's go to the you know, the big yellow restaurant on I-40. But you guys really take pride in, in cooking a good steak. I mean, you brew your own beer. I mean, you've, you've put a lot of effort into that. Yeah, we, uh, you know, the Big Texan will always be, you know, as far as you're never a hero in your hometown, and, and we accept that. It's like if you were to live in New York City, uh, you, you don't go to the Statue of Liberty every day, but if you have friends in town, you take them out there to the Statue of Liberty if there's a special event. And, and we cater to the people that's on the highway because when somebody comes in your door and they're genuinely excited about being there, they've seen it on TV, they've heard about it, this person has been there, that person, they've seen this movie made here. That's Their grandparents a, have talked about yes, it. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling because they've bought into your product. A lot like when, you go to, when kids go to Disney World, you're, you're excited about being there. You know, where's the mouse? You know, here's my wallet and credit card and you know, feed me, entertain me, and take care of my kids, and that's that's what we get the opportunity to do. Uh, we we sometimes, you know, we wish that we would get a little bit more support from Amarillo, but but we understand that position, and, and our marketing efforts are geared as as they are, uh, and that's that's good and bad. You know, you you wish you weren't just considered a tourist trap. When you look at your counts and your accolades, it's it it's rewarding in a different way. Give me an idea of, of those kinds of numbers. I mean, how many how many people eat at the Big Texan on a, an average night or an average week? I mean, well, on a yearly basis, like last year, we were almost at the half million mark. We've shown annual growth since 1996 of 6 to 8%, which for the restaurant our age, 
that's unheard of, especially in a restaurant crazy world like we live in with the franchises and chains. Uh, with the 72-ounce steak, we have three and a half people a day that will try it. Um, the winning percentages are still the same as what they were in 1960 when we started all. You know, one at every six man, man will do it. Women, one at every two. Uh, but to be able to present your food the way we do, and like I said, we use the same recipes my dad did. We make our own sour cream. We go through a lot of expense and time to make sure that it is the original recipes on it because when people come through, we have a responsibility to make sure if they're going to stop here, they're going to pay our prices, that they're going to get the experience that they want to where they'll say those magical words, we'll, we'll be back. And that's, that's what's important. And you guys understand the, the tourism aspect of Amarillo and, and this position, I think, a lot better than almost everybody else in Amarillo. I mean, what, what is it about where we live and, and why is it important for the city to focus on tourism like that? Uh, that's, that's a good question because we grew up in it. We know what people want when they come here. It's, uh, I wish that we could be more involved with some of the decisions that, that are being made, that were made as far as people that are coming here, uh, the bedroom tax collection, uh, why is it going to fund certain things and why is it not staying with the 91% of the tourism industry, which is I-40. It's, it's a lot of responsibility, and, we, and once again, with the geographic location that I mentioned earlier, we've got a wonderful opportunity here to increase our tourism business to more than it's ever been. Uh, I, I'm not a real keen uh, proponent of chasing conventions. Uh, as much as I, I love the city of Amarillo, I grew up here, the quality of life that we need here, I'm not of the opinion that a lot of the efforts that have been put into, into what they're deeming upcoming tourism will pan out to the to what they're wanting it to be. Uh, the, the fruition of, of hoping that conventions will quit going to Las Vegas or Gaylord, Texas or San Antonio and come to Amarillo, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a pretty big dream. It really is. Plus the internet over the past 20 years, what it's done to the major conventions and allowed the super shows like it are, like are in the Las Vegas and San Antonio's to, to draw those people. It's, it's, a, it's a tough bill. It's a real tough bill. I, I hope they have a real good plan in place to make it happen. But we have a very natural stream of people who pass through for a couple hours at a time or maybe mm -hmm. for a night at a time. They're not coming here as a destination but on the way to somewhere else and you guys have, have been able to capture those people. Right and, and, and if, if anything at all if to answer the question which I never really did a uh, long way is, is, is the fact that the conversion of those accidental tourists that are going through Amarillo only to stop here and eat and fill up their car with gas it's it's it should be, the emphasis should be put on those people converting those accidental tourists and to spend that one extra night in Amarillo and discover how really, really great of a city we have here. And that that's, that's what the emphasis really needs to be on. So tell me about uh, some of uh, the Big Texans' efforts to expand because, you know, you guys have had the restaurant for decades and decades, but just in the last few years, you've begun developing, you know, land uh, to the west of the restaurants. So yeah. tell me about uh, Starlight Ranch and some of the, the things that you're doing there. Uh, we, we, we expanded our land holdings down there. My dad originally started buying that stuff back in 1973, and we, I'm going to say, completed his purchase dreams uh, about a year and a half ago with buying 200 acres, uh, contiguous acres, between Whitaker and Eastern, most of it frontage. And we've got a fan, we've got into the RV business, got a wonderful RV ranch, and then we've just recently taken the old water park and converted it into a special event concert venue. That's just it. 
it surprised, took us by storm last summer, the need for something like that, not only for the Amarillo and Panhandle people, but for the tourists to get to enjoy something underneath our big stars, uh, uh, live music, uh, country and western dancing. The experience of the, of the Texas Panhandle, you know, summer nights is, is something that we've been getting emails on and bookings for next summer after the first year. So we're excited about the future. As far as moving the Big Texan, we had some pretty big plans with that. Unfortunately, the city is not moving as fast as we would like to, and we got told that it's going to be about three to six years before they're really going to be able to step in and work with us on, on trying to get anything done. But in the meantime, we've received lots and lots and lots of emails, uh, phone calls, and concerns that before we commit the blasphemy of moving the Big Texan, that uh, we should really consider keeping it here and doing something else down the street in the likeness of the Big Texan, but leave the sacred church, if you will, of the Big Texan of Beef, uh, leave it here. Tell me, tell me personally a little bit um, about your experience with Amarillo, growing up here and then leaving for several years and traveling around with the, the different things that you did, hockey and wrestling, and then coming back here. What, what's it like to re-experience a city as an adult, you know, after you've grown up and left and then come back? You know, it was, it was, it's wonderful because I got to raise my kids here like I was raised in Amarillo for raising a family. There's not a better place you could raise your kids. Uh, the only thing that I, I do kind of regret is that the experience with the, with the athletic, uh, the ability to have interaction with, with the higher level of athletes like in the Dallas or Houston market where there's professional sports and retired sports people. Uh, we don't really have that up here like we should and as a result, you know, our sports are good but they're not to the level as far as getting the kids up to the next level. Um, but as far as raising a family here in Amarillo and the quality of life that Amarillo has for it and the proximity to the mountains, to the major cities, but yet we get to keep an autonomy of uh, a nice, quiet, uh, rural town. I, I love it. And it's, uh, once again, it's, it's, there's not a more better place to raise your kids in Texas than Amarillo. The, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was just the, the international traffic that you guys threw here. Um, have through here. You've you've told me before that, you know, hardly a day goes by when you don't see a, a visitor from somewhere in Europe, somewhere in Asia, and, and you've even been traveling, you know, outside the U.S. and told people what you do, and and they recognize the big Texan, you know, even if you're in a, a taxi cab in Dubai or something, someplace like that. So tell me tell me what that's like. It's 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 probably the most. Uh the highest compliment you could ever get paid when you're when you're out of town and, and you tell somebody you're from Texas, not even Amarillo, you say you're from Texas and they said, oh, have you, there's a place here that has a big stake. And to hear that, or you have a logo shirt on or, or a baseball cap that's got the logo on there, and people say they've heard about that place. Have I ever eaten the steak? Because they naturally, they always funny, it's always funny because they see the big Texan, they think we're from Texas and they think, well, God, you know, all of us sit around and eat these big steaks all day long. That's what we do down here. You know, everybody lives here. But it's, it's not. It's, it's a huge honor. And, and, and it represents the growth of the big techs. And the biggest growth in the past, I'd say, five years have been in the international market with China coming online. I'd say up to, I'm going to say 27 to 28% of our business right now is international. And uh, with, the, with the events that go on uh, that bring people through Amarillo, like the Balloon Festival, uh, the sporting events, uh, the Pope coming to America. So many international travel goes down Route 66, and not only that, but the love of Route 66. I mean, at Route 66, it's, it's sad that more people in Europe, uh, I'm going to say Europe, I'm going to say internationally, know more about Route 66 
than most Americans do and have more pride in Route 66 and can tell you more about little things on Route 66, tell you stuff about your place you didn't even know. But the international market to Amarillo, it's, it's, it's amazing. And Amarillo is the belt buckle of the Route 66 route. And there's so many international people that come in. They fly into Chicago. They fly into L.A. They rent Harley-Davidson's. They rent cars, and they drive down the old mother road as close as they can, what's still existing of it. But Amarillo is always in the middle. And they're here to have fun and celebrate Route 66 and the Texas lifestyle. So it's, it's uh, once again, this is 360 days, 65 days a year for us that we get to be involved with that celebration. That's a great feeling. And we have a couple of restaurants in Amarillo that get some attention from, you know, the Travel Channel or the Food Network, but you end up doing a lot of international TV. I mean, you'll have groups coming through here and, and they're shooting something for Japan or something like that. Yeah, in fact, yesterday we had a group that was from uh, Ukraine and uh, they were having a reality show and what they do is their hosts go across the world wherever and they work at certain places and this was one of the places they wanted to do and that's one of their biggest shows so and you always wonder about you know you always ask them oh will you please send me a video of it let let me see what it's like and and we never you know i've had a couple of them but once again when you watch it in international language you can hear yourself mumbling something in the background there's somebody talking over you but you hope they're saying the right thing and getting the right message but something's working and once again you know just to have the appreciation and to see in the face of so many travelers, how excited they are to be here. This is a big Texan. This is what they've heard about. And they get to come here. What, what a great honor. What a great honor. This episode is brought to you by Wick Realty. Now, here's a fun fact. Around the time I was launching this podcast a few weeks ago, we were actually in the middle of selling a home and buying another home. And that is a complicated process. Now we'd done it before for sale by owner, but this time we decided, you know, it's just gotten too complicated. And so we worked with an agent at Wick Realty and let me tell you, it was the best decision that we could have made. They made a stressful time as seamless and easy as possible. And uh, that's one reason I'm super excited that they're sponsoring this podcast. The other thing I love about them is that Wick Realty is invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people in town, all neighborhoods, all across Amarillo. So if you're buying a home, if you're selling a home, if you're building a home, if you're looking for investment property, if you're going to be a first-time homeowner, talk to Katie Wick, uh, talk to one of her agents and let them help you with the process. That's Wick Realty, W-I-E-C-K Realty.com. Okay, we're back um, with Bobby Lee of The Big Texan. And uh, Bobby, the, the last part of this podcast is a, sort of a, a Q&A I like to call eight straight, where I'm going to ask you eight straight questions, and then your job is to just answer those as, uh, as honestly as you want to. So let's get started with that. Other than your own restaurant, what is your favorite restaurant in Amarillo? A place called Judy's Burrito on Grand Street. They have the best breakfast burritos uh, I've ever had, and they crack their eggs. It's not powdered eggs or anything else, and I know that sounds silly, but I love eating there. Okay, is, is there a certain breakfast burrito that you get there most often? Or? The Supreme. It's, it's got everything on it. It's just, it's wonderful. It's fresh eggs and a good flour tortilla. Okay. When you talk to somebody outside the panhandle, you know, apart from describing the, the, the restaurant, I mean, how do you describe Amarillo and the panhandle, the, this area? Uh, it's, it's, it's don't get, don't get caught up on, on just coming through the highway and seeing the franchise and thinking it's just another, 
extension of Dallas or Fort Worth or another city like that, there's a lot of really fun things to do here. Look past the franchises, look past the chains, and, you know, give us a chance. Give us, give us a chance more than just, you know, one extra night is all we ask. What does Amarillo have too much of? They probably have too many people that really don't understand tourism calling the shots with tourism dollars. And those tourism dollars are for the tourism industry, and they're not being used for that. What, uh, what does Amarillo not have enough of? People that aren't afraid to not be part of a rubber stamp yes committee. People that, that, that will sit there and say, this is, you know, it shouldn't be done this way. This is the way we've always done it. Let's think outside the box and let's move Amarillo forward. Not just by doing what's always been the status quo or, used, or working with a certain group that has land in certain areas. It's, they, need, they need more people that will stand up like Perry Williams that's putting something in the middle of nowhere and betting on it and maybe not be in his lifetime, but what he's doing is going to be something great for our area one day beyond anybody's expectations. And, and you're talking about the town square development yes. uh-huh. to the west of town. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, what is the most overrated thing to do here in Amarillo? This is going to sound funny, but I, I think the Tri-State Fair, because there's a lot of people that I understand that don't have the money to travel to the Six Flags and stuff like that that need something like that. But the price gouging and, 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 the, and the, what they receive out of hard-earned money that they work for, these blue-collar workers even go get loans, take their families to there, it's... There should be some discount or something given to those people uh, to where they don't blow that kind of money on that and end up coming up short in other areas where they really need that money, especially on this side of town, the east side of Amarillo. That's a real good point. I I think a lot of people may not realize how central of a role the fair plays with a a lot of, you know, people in a a lower economic sort of area. Like, that's, that's their vacation. That's their big spending activity for the year when the fair comes to town. It is, and I wish there was a way that it wouldn't be as uh, financially devastating on them after it leaves. I I wish they would get more out of it than what they get out of it. And once again, I know that they don't have the monies to go to the the big parks and and travel, but I just think there would be a better way of giving this group something that's really special to them without costing them that, that type of money. We have a lot of people that work for us in those categories, and that's that's why I always feel that way, and especially having to loan them money to where they can take their families out for something like that. It's just, it's hard. It really is. What is the uh, the most underrated thing to do here in Amarillo? Powder Canyon. Powder Canyon. That's the one thing that Amarillo has over anywhere else in Texas. What a wonderful, wonderful natural attraction that that could be the biggest and front runner and create so much tourism for our area. And because of the state, uh, because of certain local leadership, we're not able to promote it or, or get it open the way it needs to. What a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for us to have that that should be used for its fullest. We would we'd be top of Texas with what we have up here. What, uh, and, and this is a question I thought of for you because I, I think of the two things about Amarillo that most people outside the, you know, the city have heard about. On the east side of town, it's the Big Texan. On the west side of town, it's Cadillac Ranch. So I wanted to know, when was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? I, I go out there with uh, with some film groups, international film groups, and they, 
newspaper stories and stuff out there, and we and we promote the Cadillac Ranch. And once again, I'm glad it's on I-40, and I'm glad it's visible from the highway so that people can see it and stop, and, and we have a chance to stop those people for an overnight visit. And just about any film crew who comes through here is going to end up with, with footage out there. I mean, that's the place to shoot. We make sure of it. We make sure of it. Um, okay, as the owner of a, a restaurant that's known for its steaks, what is your favorite cut of beef, and what's the best way to cook it? <laughs> you know what? This is crazy, but I'm going I'm to say it anyway. I like cow testicles, calf fries, and I love the way we fry them here. I, we have a rule here, my brother, myself, my wife, and his wife, that we can only eat them three times a year because they're not the most... Uh, weight complimenting uh, thing but our calf fries here are just I mean for ever since we were kids people come here every day the local that's the biggest thing local draw we have beside the birthday promotion is is people love to eat the calf fries we have here they're fantastic I had some for lunch today with a big old jalapeno and it was it was a you can't get any better so than that. This is a big time of year for you. It's it's one of your three times to eat them this <laughs> yes, year. Yes, it was, and that's when we had fun doing that. But you know, calf fries are a joke for a lot of people that haven't eaten them. Mm-hmm. Um, describe describe the taste. I mean, why do you like them so much? It's it's it has nothing to do with where they come from or, or what they are. It's it's the way we fry them. It's if you like chicken fried steak, if you like fried chicken, it's it's a combination between both those uh, yeah they're deep fried and then yeah they're they're battered with white flour but i mean it's as good as you can get when it comes to eating beef i mean it's something i could eat every day of the year and never get tired of it and i i see so many orders of calf fries you know going out to people's tables here and every time i see them i just want to just sit at that table and order me one of our ipas and and, and dig in because they they're that good all right. Uh, I, I like the in, to end each episode by you know asking the guests to endorse something about the city of Amarillo. So what what would be your endorsement about Amarillo? It's honestly kind of two things. Once again, I mentioned earlier about Perry Williams. Uh, he's a lifelong friend and what he's doing out there. And uh, like I said, maybe not in this lifetime, but that's going to be a wonderful thing for the entire Texas Panhandle. The second thing is what we've done at the Starlight Ranch. If you haven't been out there, it's it's a place you can go. It's not like they say, well, is it like a midnight rodeo? No, it's not. It's not a bar or a nightclub. It's it's a family entertainment center. We have miniature golf. We have mazes. We have zip line. We're getting a Ferris wheel, and we have fantastic country and western acts that come through Amarillo every day of the year that we get a chance to stop here, and watch them underneath the stars of Texas and enjoy music the way it's supposed to be performed. And and we're Lots of good things in the future with that. You know, Amarillo used to, because of its geographical position, you know, we would get a lot of big name acts, you know, who are just passing through on the way to Denver or on the way to Dallas. Um, and that's that's not exactly the case anymore. Is that what you, you're trying to do is kind of recapture a lot of those? They're, they're here. I mean, the, the big Texan, I can tell you stories about Dick Clark's American Bandstand Tour. I can tell you stories about, you name the performer, and I can, I can I, oh yeah, I remember sitting there. I remember sitting in that booth over there with Wolfman Jack uh, watching him in a T-bone steak with his hand. I mean, there's every performer comes through here, they want to stop at the Big Texan. I remember my dad even had a, a, a cabinet in the kitchen at the at my, Mr. Vance's desk that he kept a bottle of Jack Daniels in there for Merle Haggard when he came through. I mean, it's they're, they're coming through Emerald. It's, it's a natural route. And with what they're doing at, at Billy Bob's, what they're doing at the Rustic in Dallas, what Live Nation is doing, the casinos in Oklahoma, the casinos in New Mexico, they're all still coming through here in droves. And there's so much opportunity for us to pick up good name acts for a decent price to where it doesn't cost you 80 or $90 to go that. 
in an outdoor venue that you can bring the whole family to, and, and that's, that's what we're trying to do with the Starlight Ranch. And what a venue it is. Bobby Lee, thanks for appearing on the podcast. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, and thank you for doing this. Is, this is so gladly needed, and once again, we're honored, and, and thank you for considering the Big Texan. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks. And that concludes another episode of Hey Amarillo. Number one, I want to say thanks to Wick Realty for getting on board. I really appreciate their sponsorship. If you're buying a home or selling a home, look them up. Number two, I'd ask that you uh, share this episode or the podcast in general with somebody who likes podcasts but doesn't know that there's a local one about Amarillo people. And number three, the next time you drive past the Big Texan, that bright yellow building on I-40, hey, maybe consider stopping Uh, Just to give Bobby and Danny some love. I've talked to these guys for multiple projects a number of times. I always leave impressed with them, impressed with their operation. These guys love Amarillo, and they are such good advocates for this city. Um, So that's the show. You can find us at Hey Amarillo on Twitter. Look us up on Facebook. Follow us there. Leave a review. Tell a friend. Thank you for listening. I'm Jason Boyette, and I will see you next week.